Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to Rugby Pod. Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. And Beer 52 are with us throughout the Six Nations, offering you free beers. We've teamed up with Beer 52 for the Six Nations to bring you beer sourced and curated from the very best breweries on the planet, delivered straight to your door. Each case of eight free beers comes with an award-winning beer magazine and some snacks, and there's no minimum commitment. So you can just take the free case, try the beers, and see what you think. You can pause or cancel at any point. But don't pause or cancel. Go to beer52.com forward slash rugby and cover the postage. That's the word beer followed by the number 52.com forward slash rugby to get your first case of eight beers for free. And you'll be supporting the rugby pod as well. How's your week been, boys? Quiet. (laughs) Quiet. (laughs) I mean, uh, over to Jim. I've got nothing to say. That's quiet. It's been a quiet weekend. Was it bollocks? <laughs> uh, just, I'm just looking forward to next week, humbly. Um, it was going to be 20, 30 points to England, Goody said. That's all I know. And Jim, you said 10 points to England, so, I, you know. I, What do you mean? I, said, I didn't say anything to England, did I? Yes, you did, James. The past Nine is points. in the past. The past is in the past. It's not about me. It's not about England. It's all about Scotland. I was there. It is. You might have seen me, and I'm absolutely ball bag now. It's taken me two days to get home. Beck's wondering why it's taken me 10 hours to get from London to Coventry, and I basically said that I was rolling slowly and watching the game on repeat, but she told me to get home quickly, which I did. Why did you go to Coventry? Because I've got four kids, so I took a detour. I hear you. What a weekend. Forget about the week leading up to it. What a weekend. Absolute privilege to be there front and center a thorn between two roses a thistle between two blankets and i got to witness it <laughs> firsthand an absolute demolition job by the boys how <laughs> oh, good it's coming home it's ca- congratulations to the whole of scotland you fully deserve it outstanding job on the telly mate thank you very much i was very nervous so the wife thought I looked great. She was um, attracted to me once again, she said. She didn't just see me as this miserable father <laughs> sat at home. So I took the 10-hour drive in my own COVID bubble on the Friday. I was going to leave Thursday, but felt a bit guilty. Uh, so I left on the Friday. Big shout-out to Thrifty, Flexi Fleet for sorting me out. The comfortable ride. I won't name the car, but it starts with a B. It's got an M and a W in it. A lovely little drive <laughs> on the way down. So thank you very much, humbly. And... I had the best weekend I've had. And the funny thing is, the majority of it was on my own. So, <laughs> podcasts, hanging out the, the window, Ace Ventura just screaming Scotland, honk the horn when I went over the border, banter. Did you actually? Of course I did. It's what I do. And uh, yeah, I don't know how I've ended up on ITV. I have absolutely no idea how I've ended up with two World Cup winners and a six-time wooden spoon winner. But I did. I was there. I was happy. I might be biased, and I'm going to be very honest. Out of the three pundits, you were head and shoulders, well, literally because you're about seven foot tall, but head and shoulders above those two. I mean, you bought entertainment, you bought a bit of banter, you bought some serious insight, and you bought, you were humble as well, to be fair. Yeah, it was great. They were very warm towards me, and they gave me the platform to talk about the victory, which I thought was nice, because there is this thing, oh, Big Jim's born in Swindon, and what? Swindon's north of the Hebrides, if you didn't know, geography physics or whatever it is and they gave me the 
the platform to express my emotion after the game, which I thought was very nice. And they had over 8 million people, I was going to say, watching me. Obviously, they weren't watching. They were, mate. Watching, yeah, there might have been. There might have been a few watching me. So for anyone who's messaged me um, to say well done, that was greatly received and it gave me a boost. And I was driving home on Sunday and I got up fairly early because Beck told me I need to get home because she's got the four kids. And I'm loving life. I've got the music on. I'm buzzing. The boys have won. I get home and I am absolutely ball bagged. I could like, and it's because I've been away from the kids for so long. But go back to it. I was I was lucky to be at the game, live games, and we spoke about it. The Autumn Nations Cup. There was an air of, oh, I don't really know what it's about. It's on Amazon. Like it's another platform to watch it. The romance around the Guinness Six Nations, as we know, is historic. It's embedded in a lot of people and there was huge appetite for that at the weekend. And from a Scottish perspective, I'll tell you what, we rose to the occasion. One thing that I should say that I found really weird and I watched the game back again this morning just to make sure that I knew what I was talking about because you are quite far away from the pitch where we were stood was the the, the atmosphere in the stadium. When you're watching it on TV, they've got it down to a T now in terms of the, the crowd noise and the clapping and when a try scored or when Scotland scored a try, sorry. And when you're <laughs> at the stadium, it is so eerie. It's it, it, it's unbelievable. Like it's it's just so surreal to be there watching a test match with no fans. Was there any banter from Johnny or Sir Cliff? Me and Johnny were talking about injuries. We were talking about kids. Uh, we were talking about when we're going to go back to Magaluf again. Has he got kids? Well, I don't want to be sending the platform. I think he's got one kid. I think he's got a little girl. Okay. So, hey, if, he, if Johnny Wilkinson is going to come to Jim Hamilton about anything, it's going to be chop tackle and it's going to be kids. <laughs> right? There's two things. That's it. He's going to come to me for. And we were chatting about that. Me and Johnny got a good, really good relationship. We were in Magaluf. Together, I say together, he was there and I was there in Magaluf. We were basically together in 2001 after, well, let me explain this. after the Lions tour. There's a big difference between your holiday and in Magaluf. He ain't in Magaluf, mate. He's in the good part of Mallorca, isn't he? Which is where? Where the, ha- where the houses are about six million euros a pop. And I didn't even Magaluf know Magaluf on. was in Mallorca. I just thought Magaluf was Magaluf. <laughs> no, no, mate. Mm. So we were there and yeah, lovely bloke. And Sir Clef, uh, Clive, it was very respectable and he knew my name. So I was happy about that. But no, very, very privileged to have been there. I'll reiterate it. So I'm buzzing. And the fact that the boys won in the manner in which they did, the scoreline, I don't think reflected the game. Anyone can say that. But 38 years, lads. We'll get into the detail of the game in a bit. But last question from me about the whole weekend, your scenario. You're flying home, well, slowly, so you don't want to get home too quick. But you've got home. How good is it for that first five minutes when you walked in the door? The kids are happy. They're fucking jumping on you. Like, Dad, saw you on TV. Like, How long did it take to go back to the square one where you're like... Shouting at them. Where I was shouting at them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was about 10 minutes into the Wales Island game while they're asking me why I'm watching rugby again. I'm like, look, I'm, I'm an expert an analyst. I need to be getting on my phone, tweeting and putting it out there. But yeah, like the kids don't know, do they? I'm trying to watch it when I, the Wales Island game and pass judgment. And we can talk about that game as well when the kids are there. But look... You know, when your dad's working in the TV industry, it's, you're not going to see him as much as you hope. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I've got to give a shout out to my missus as well this week because, as we know, there's a lot of sport been on. Uh, I've been in bed. The twins make a lot of noise, don't they, Jim? Your twins, I'm sure they do the same. I don't know this weekend, didn't hear them. Well, exactly. But the missus on Saturday and Sunday took them out between the hours of 12 and about 5 o'clock. And I just got free reign to watch all the ruggers I wanted. 
Hats off to all the partners. Let's just look at that game though, Jim. Be honest, you didn't see it coming. No, I didn't. Historically, again, 38 years, haven't won there. England, second best team in the world. Scotland's two pro teams not performing overly well. Um, no fans. So you're thinking, on the basis of that, that we're probably not going to win and we're hoping just to play well and play with a bit of pride and beat Wales at home the following week. That's from the outside when you're not on the inside bubble. That performance has been brewing for a while. Yeah, The way that Scotland have played, the pressure that they've put on teams, their defence has been really good under Steve Tandy's flip-flop for a while now. The line-out was exceptional with the Autumn Nations Cup. The scrum as well. Finn Russell back in the team. So actually, you start looking at this as the team is playing and the game's unfolding. Hamish Watson, world-class player. Cam Redpath coming in at 12. Everyone's talked him up. Can he perform at that level? It's his debut. He was unreal. And you know why he was unreal? Because they got the ball in his hand that early. And the way that Scotland played the game and the the variety which they played with off the lineouts, how controlled they were were in chaos is what impressed me. And I watched the game back and they were under loads of pressure in the first few minutes. Maratoji on the charge down. Then Johnny Hill goes off his feet. You do wonder. I thought Andrew Brace had a brilliant game. And this is and this is the thing with referees, right? You wonder that penalty that Johnny Hill give away uh, going off his feet with Marrow when Marrow's got that turnover. You've seen them play on because it's a turnover. It's happening so quickly. You wonder if the fans are there, whether some of these penalties go with the away team. Like you, you have to ask that question. But I think Scotland adapted the best to there being no fans, and they looked absolutely primed in all facets. The physicality. Bar Marrow, who would have been up there with most of the Scotland team in terms of physicality, man for man, England were absolutely dominated. I look at Finn Russell, I looked at it again today. Look at his defence. He is yeah. not just tackling, he is putting in dominant hits, dominant hits compared to Owen Farrell, where you've got Cam Redpath path running down his channel and their soak-up tackles. It must be so difficult, I'll reiterate, being in the stadium... It must be so difficult to get up for that game that, than it would be if there was fans in the stadium. And I think that was in favour of Scotland because it is the biggest game for them. So regardless if there's fans or no fans, is it the biggest game for England? And you look at the comments in the lead up to the game of Eddie Jones or whatever. You know, Have England respected Scotland the way that Scotland deserved to be respected? Well, if they didn't, I'll answer you the question. They bloody do now. Yeah, mate, it's because I didn't prepare the team right, mate. I take it all on myself, mate. It's not the players, it's me, Eddie Jones here, mate. Fucking, you know, I don't know why we didn't have any possession. I don't know why we kick it away all the time. Fucking, yeah, mate, it's just, it's rugby, eh? We're going through this phase of kicking in defence. We've been talking about it for a while, and we'll get onto some of the England stuff in a bit. It is all about Scotland, though. Scotland dominated every facet of the game. And you actually sit here now this week and think about it and go, actually, why didn't we think that, and I'm sure we both said it at one point last week on the pod that who knows, there is a chance you could equally see Scotland causing a big ruckus and, and winning down there as you could see England winning by 2030. And I think that was what we said last week. But you look at it now, you look at the team selection and you always go spine the team. People talk about the Saracens players and all this stuff. Jamie George at hooker, Maratoji at second row, Billy Vanapola at eight, Owen Farrell at 10 and Elliot Daly at 15. 
that's a third of your starting team. I haven't played rugby since December 6th. I not played any rugby, apart Billy's played against the Trailblazers, all right. And you think about some of the penalties. Marrow, people talking about how great Marrow was. Mate, if that's Jim Hamilton doing that in a Scotland shirt a few I'm years off after ago, 20 minutes. <laughs> you've given four or five penalties away. And, you know, Jamie George has come out after the game and said, we, we, you know, it wasn't that we were not match fit. Well, match fitness isn't just running up and down and how far can you run for and how long can you run for. It's about sharpness as well. So the penalties that Marrow's given away, we've always said it on here, he's a walking penalty machine when he gets refereed sometimes and he lived on the wrong side of the edge. And people saying he played great. Oh, he's physical. Yeah, he got a couple of charge downs. He gave a load of penalties away. Um, and that came from Scotland's pressure. That came from how Scotland were dealing with, um, you know, the kick, the high ball. Johnny May, what are you doing? Two real straightforward catches. Sean Maitland scared him. And remember, Sean Maitland's not, not played either, but he scared him. Bar Finn had two crazy moments, right? The trip, um, which, you know, is a reaction thing. And then the drop goal at the end, which we might get to. Finn, his control of the game... Ain't even a question about who should start at Lions 10. Farrell, you ain't even in the squad at the minute, son, the way you're playing. Finn Russell dominated the game in terms of tactics. Hoggy, the best I've seen him play in. You know, Hoggy always plays very well. He had a couple of slip-ups. He dropped the ball against Ireland last year, but he's been phenomenal for oh, Scotland. But he was, he was at another level. What about the spirals? While he's running at, uh, you can't talk about the skill enough. Doing a spiral kick from being standing still is I mean, it's not an easy skill, but it's it, it's it's easier. He's doing it running flat out. It's the toughest skill to do as a kicker possible, and it goes about sixty meters, lands about a meter out from from the the corner flag. It, you know, across the board, they were physical. Scotland they dominated the set piece. Everything that Eddie Jones said about how he wanted England to play, Scotland did to England. This white wave that Ben Youngs talked about, it was a blue wave everywhere. They were. Awesome. And I can only blame two people for this result. Well, three people. We'll blame Eddie Jones as one. Secondly, whoever was in charge of recruitment and promoting kids from the academy at Leicester Tigers back in the day when Hamish Watson was there, what were you thinking? Whoever, I, that's Jed Glynn. It's got to be Jed Glynn, so I blame him. <laughs> <laughs> and then thirdly, Chris Robshaw, because if they'd have had that game against the Barbars last year, <laughs> they'd have another 80 minutes under their belt. And we, who knows what the difference could have been, so... Fair play to Scotland. I tipped my slipper, my flip-flop, my hat, whatever you want to tip. They were phenomenal. How much of a difference do you think Cam Path made to the Scotland side? Massive. And you've got to live up to the hype sometimes, and sometimes you don't, do you? Sometimes you'll talk about a player before the game in the build-up the last couple of weeks, and Cam Redpath's been everywhere. Any media outlet, he's put himself out there. So there's huge pressure on him, right, to rock up. And he's up against Ollie Lawrence's old teammate from playing for England back in the age group stuff. And my word, he got the ball early. They got him into the game early. They got him on the front foot. Some of his carries. Now, I've watched him for Bath a little bit. Quite rangy. Powerful. Power yeah, when, he, when he carries. You know, he's a red path. He's going to be hard, you know, off the back of the jeans he's that quick he's got. as well. And, and he's rapid. You see off, the, off the, um, the line out where he went straight in the crease to Farrell between Jamie George yeah. um, and Farrell. He went straight for him. Straight for the captain. Now, whether or not that's meant or not, he's made five or six metres off the back of that. So you talk about his carries, he got an unbelievable turnover as well. But his energy, like, he was desperate for it. And again, the way that Scotland played and the way that their games evolved, knowing that England got a fantastic line-out, they adapted. And again, we can talk about the Welsh line-out, which is a big talking point. England got a wicked line-out. So if Scotland found a way 
to manipulate that situation to get the ball into the centre's hands as quickly as possible. So he's added a completely different layer. And again, you talk about Gregor Townsend and Eddie Jones, the differences. On the whole, Gregor Townsend has picked on form. Apart from Sean Maitland, who I know why they've picked him, because of his aerial ability and Johnny May's lack of aerial ability, knowing they're going to have to kick against England. So he was probably the anomaly that didn't fit potentially the form players. I've not seen Sean play. Uh, He's not played in a while. So on that, Chris Harris has been playing well for Gloucester. He's been playing really well uh, for Scotland every time that he's played. Hoggy and Johnny Gray. Johnny Gray's performances have gone through the roof now. So... On that read, that's how you should do it. Like you're not England ain't playing Italy. No disrespect. You're playing against Scotland, who beat we are France. This week. Well, they are this week, and who knows? Well, we do imagine. But you know, again, you go back to it. You look at forget the World Cup. World Cup was a shocker for Gregor Townsend. But you actually look now, and you saw the emotion after the game. Obviously, this has been building and building and building. The thing with Finn, I think, has actually helped. What happened last Six Nations? It's probably made Gregor assess how he coaches, how he deals with the group of players, the different personalities, and that's what you get. Scotland needs to back it up. I think they will. Grand Slam, Jim. This week, I'm saying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not? Let's get a headline. Jim Hamilton, media mo, uh, mo what is it? Mon mogul is saying Scotland for the Grand Slam. Hey, well, Wales or Ireland didn't scare me. Uh, and you talk about Cam Redpath, and I, I go back to, I used to coach a school team, and we played Sedbra one day, and Cam Redpath was playing at fly half for Sedbra, and little Brian Redpath, his dad, was on the side of the pitch, and I had a bit of banter with him, a bit of a chat afterwards, and I always remember it, because I've gone up to him afterwards, I'm like, mate, he's a hell of a player, isn't he? Your son, he ripped us to pieces. He was, You could see that he was a different gravy, and you could see how good he was going to be in a step up pretty quickly to men's rugby. And I went up to brush afterwards, Brian Redpath, and I said, mate, how good's he? He'll be wearing an England shirt soon, won't he? And Brian Redpath went, fucking too right, mate. 20 grand a game, eh? He's going for the money, not for the Scotland, eh? I said, how do you, you, you feel about that? How do you feel about him wearing white when you're such a passionate little angry Scotty dog Scotsman? He's like, I don't care, mate. It's about the money, eh? If, now look at if him. I got a Lamborghini, if he buys <laughs> yeah. me a Lamborghini, I'm all right. Yeah, now look at him. So, uh, yeah, fair play. Uh, Cam Redpath, outstanding performance. A lot of talk pre-match around what he could have, should have done. And we said it a few weeks ago, didn't we? He could be a 70-80 cap international, at least, for Scotland. Yeah, and I also want to give Dave Cherry Tree, Dave Cherry, a shout out as well. The hooker who came on, both George Turner and him, 30 years old to come on and make your debut. I didn't give him a shout out on TV. There was so much going on. I thought the physicality that he showed as well was class. We actually tried to get Hamish Watson on the podcast, so we should... Tell the millions that Hamish Watson was going to come on, but he's been blocked. It's like he wanted to come on, didn't they? There's a few Scotland boys that wanted to come on the podcast. They wanted to come on. Yeah, it's like when you've been out with your mates, right? You've had an unbelievable night out, and you ask her if you can go out again, and she is absolutely raging with you. She's like, "No, you need to get your head on. You need to get your head on the kids. You're back at work on Monday." Well, that's what's happened to the Scotland team. The emotion that we've all given to this, and the players are absolutely loving it. Gregor said, "No." We can do it, pal. It's a shame they're not allowed to do it, but hopefully that will change over time when you win the Grand Slam, Jim. If we win the Grand Slam, 
we're going to go into the Scotland camp and we're going to record a podcast with all the lads. You won't understand because it will all be in Scottish slash South African, but you won't understand. <laughs> Mate, if that happens, I'll do it in my kilt with nothing underneath and I'll borrow your sporran <laughs> and your nan's <laughs> Oh, my skin do. <laughs> uh, last thing I'll say, though, on the weekend, and we mentioned Cherry Tree then, how good was it of Hoggy to let the two debutants lift the trophy? That's what he does, mate. It's a hogster. I mean, it's phenomenal. I, and people may have missed it. People may have seen it. What a touch that is. And that shows teamship, camaraderie, call it what you will. That's proper leadership and something that everyone's looking at Hoggy now going, that's my skipper that I'm going to play for. Because the easy thing as a captain, first time they've won the Calcutta Cup in 38 years at, at Twickenham. You want that picture yourself, don't you? What a bloke. I think, I bloke think Greg let, let them have three beers this time. Finn was only allowed two and a half, but... He was capped at two and a half, three. It could have been 13 or 30. But yeah. I think the, the memo was three beers. We've heard about how good Scotland were on Saturday, but we can get a view from inside the England camp now. We caught up with scrum half Ben Youngs and hooker Luke Cowan Dickey, courtesy of England and proud supporters Dove Men Plus Care a little earlier on today. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Credit to Scotland. They played, played well. Uh, they put us in the areas that we couldn't get out of. Uh, we weren't able to capitalise when we had a man up. And, um, you know, they dictated really probably the tempo of the game. So it was a situation which the longer the game went on, uh, we just couldn't quite break that cycle. And uh, no one would be looking harder uh, at themselves than us and as a team. Uh, the thing with Six Nations is, um, you know, you might lose the first game as we did last year. It's It's not ideal, but... You've got to get back on the horse. You can't let that completely take the wind out of your sails. You've got to bottle the, the, the disappointment, of course, you have, and then channel that into something positive. So, you know, we've got an opportunity now this week to, to see what type of team we want to be. You know, we want to be a team that, uh, on the back of a performance which wasn't at the level that we prepare for, uh, and the result not that we wanted, is, we, you know, we want to come out and, and get back out there and, and, and put forward a game that we're much more prouder of and a lot more better um, way of which how we want to play the game. So uh, like I said, I've got to credit Scotland because they stopped us from doing what we want to do. They made us, you know, infringe with the style that they played. You know, we were giving away penalties that perhaps we wouldn't normally do. And I think that was probably, we probably just didn't have enough patience within our system just to, to control it and, and let them have it. Um, we're a little bit impatient at times going for things that necessarily weren't, weren't quite uh, there to, to be delved into. Uh, and then, you know, on the back of that, they sort of get down into our half. We work hard to get the ball back. We get back out and then uh, we fringe again and then we're back to where we start. And it's kind of like a vicious cycle that we couldn't quite break. You know, on the on the pitch, you know, the guys are in great headspaces, I think, in terms of um, physically and mentally prepared. You know, they were in good, good spaces going into the game. Um, you know, there was a sense of urgency to get things right. But like I say, we just, we just couldn't break that cycle. And, um, you know, you've got to give credit to them and, uh, one thing from our point of view is, 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 like I say, you know, we're a team now that has got to come back out and, and bounce back as quick as we can. And, you know, we'll make sure that we um, prep accordingly to, to get things right at the weekend against Italy. Yes, yeah, it's, it's always difficult, um, especially when you, you're necessarily probably on the back foot a little bit. So basically just come on, try and get a bit go forward and then just obviously make my tackles. You know, as, as a finisher, as we call them here, we always try and come on and give, give a bit more energy to the team, you know, try and pick us up a bit. Um, but it, it, it was quite hard, like Lenny said. Um, we'd given away a few pens, which probably weren't really like us. Uh, but I think boys were just so eager to get, in, get involved in the game. It's the first Six Nations game. It's a massive occasion. 
and then it's just started getting away from us. I think. Um, I, I think there's bits in the game which which we did do well, um, but like Lenny says, Scotland play well, um, so credit to them boys. Um, we just we just not necessarily had a good game. Uh, you know, a few areas where you know set piece wise, um, it normally goes a bit better. Um, I think you know we. Probably first first bit of the game, uh, I think scrums were sort of going their way, our way, their way, our way, and never good. As, as soon as you have a few resets and, and uncompleted scrums, I think then it, it comes into the, the ref's head a bit more, and, and it's more of a gamble rather than uh, the dominant team. So we'll look to tidy up that area this week. Um, but yeah, coming off the bench and, and you know trying to get momentum when when necessarily didn't have it was quite tough. Um, <clears throat> that's all you know we we get asked to do when we come off the bench. But I'm pretty sure this week we'll, we'll mainly focus on ourselves, just get our performance right. Best thing we can do as a team now is take game by game and, and hopefully win win every game of the rest of the tournament. I think that'll be our target, and it'd be stupid not to be. Um, and then we'll, we'll see how it goes if, if we manage to win every game uh, for the rest of the tournament and. Um, and get that. Um, and for example, another team win every game, fair play to them. Um, you know, we, we have then done as much as we can to put ourselves in the best position to win the tournament. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. There you go. Just head to patreon.com forward slash the rugby pod if you want to hear the full extended version of those interviews and get access to over 70 more interviews. It all costs less than the price of a cup of coffee or a pint. A big thanks to Dove Men Plus Care for their help as well. Follow their Dove Men Plus Care UK Twitter channel for more rugby stories. Well, Gertie, you've already mentioned a few things about England, but surely some changes have got to be made to that side. It's interesting, isn't it? And I've, you know, you, you go back to what they've said about the squad and the changes that you can bring in. You can't make wholesale changes to the squad now. So, you know, as much as I'm beating the drum for the Simmons boys and. Hello, Eddie. Sam Simmons scored again. I think he scored his ninth try in eight premiership games at the weekend. I don't think they can be brought into the squad yet. So he's picking from within the squad. Now, you look at some of the players and the funniest comment, I think maybe a little bit disrespectful, but I'm still going to chuckle at it. Matt Williams, uh, the ex-Scotland coach, was on uh, Irish TV, I think, at the weekend. And he described Billy Vanapola as something along the lines of, if you didn't know pubs were shut because of the pandemic, you'd think he'd been sat in one for a long time. <laughs> apparently, apparently he looked absolutely horrific in terms of shape and fitness and all that stuff. A bit harsh. Say it to his yeah. face is all I'm <laughs> yeah. saying. Yeah, a bit harsh. And it was said somewhat, I remember reading one of those things about me once after an England game. It's very different. Billy Vanapola <laughs> or Andy Goose, very different. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Billy's always said, and pl- people have always said about Billy, he plays his best when he's playing loads of matches uh, and he's he's got time on the field under his belt. So on that note, he shouldn't have played at the weekend because he had no form, no fitness behind him and he gets fitter and better the more he plays. So Eddie's in a complete conundrum now because when you look at some of the performances, Owen Farrell, Billy, um, you know, to name a couple, Elliot Daly at fullback, you know, missed the one-on-one Johnny tackle. Mate. Don't think he played particularly well. Johnny May's got credit in the bank. He he was really poor. Um, but, you know, th- there's a number of players that are getting picked personally from, in my opinion, on reputation. And that's Eddie's prerogative, right? And it's been happening for a while. People have banged on about it around the way, the style of rugby we play, the physicality, and there's no plan B. You know, he shifted Farrell back to 10. Farrell hasn't played 10 in donkey's years. Uh, I'll say donkey's years, obviously. That's an exaggeration. He has played there for Saracens. He's played no rugby. But then Farrell was... That was his worst game I've ever seen him play for England. You know, no leadership, no direction as a 10. 
Um, okay, he kicked his goals. Tackling, as Jim said, soak up tackles. And there's a big issue now for Farrell because since he got that red card, you think how aggressive he used to be in tackling and smashing people when he, he lived on that that danger zone around how he belted people. And then he got found out with, you know, what should have been a yellow card against Africa two years ago, whatever it was. And he's never flying into tackles anymore as hard as he used to because people say he's working on his technique and, you know, he's come out and said it. You don't see any difference in his technique at all. You see a difference in how hard he throws his shoulder into contact because he knows he's living on that edge of, this is how I tackle. If I get one a couple of inches wrong, I'm off again. So that's why Cam Redpath, and that's why I think Scotland tested him and thought, we're going to run at Farrell and we're going to actually run at his inside shoulder, outside shoulder, because when he's on form, he wants to fly into those tackles and it might lead to a red card or whatever, or it might lead to someone getting absolutely banjoed. But what changes can you make? Uh, Mike Brown's come out and said, drop Owen Farrell, stick him on the bench, get George Ford back in at 10. So the changes he can make are quite restrictive around the environment that he's got to have because of the Six Nations bubble, the 28 players he's picked, the agreement with the Premiership Club. So he can't just bin a load of the boys off and bring guys in from the exterior. So you can only change from within what you've got. Carl Sinclair will come back in this week. His band finishes. I think he's been with the squad anyway. Uh, Mako's back, but again, Mako hasn't played. So, you know, you, you take... Genge off and, and put Mako in. Um, Johnny Hill, you might question his performance, but who do you pick? Charlie Yules is the only, or Courtney Laws is the two of the second row options. Um, and Eddie now, you know, Billy Vanapolo, I don't think should be playing for England at the minute on form. Um, I don't think he's he's done it for a while, uh, but who has he got in there to change? You know, do you put Wilson to eight and, and Jack Willis to seven? One thing, Eddie Jones, you're looking at him now this weekend. We're playing Italy, who, let's be honest, they're the worst team in the tournament by a country mile. And everyone would expect, after seeing what France did to them, England to put 50 R on them this weekend. Aravo's <gasps> arm. <laughs> yeah, if it was a, a normal scenario. But now it's not a normal scenario because if he makes no changes, these players will just crack on and there's no kind of recourse for having a bad performance. But then does he drop Owen Farrell or does he shift him to 12 because he's his captain? Then do you take Ollie Lawrence out of the team who hasn't touched the ball hardly in his three or four tests that he's played now because of the direction and the tactics that England are playing. So, so many questions for Eddie Jones. Only he's got the answers because he does what he wants and he's restricted to the changes that he can make. Do you give Harry Randall a go? Do you give Paolo Adogu a go? If you don't give him a go now, you ain't giving him a go in the Six Nations, are you? Well, that's the thing. That's the beauty of playing against Italy. Like, you can make the changes. One thing that I find mental and more so around England, and I don't look at any other newspapers or media, is the way that the media interacts with sports teams. You're the second best team in the world. Made the final of the World Cup, won the Six Nations, won the Autumn Nations Cup. It's one bad. I know the performances weren't that good in the Autumn Nations Cup. You've lost one game and like, let's not take the piss now. Scotland are a good team. Would it be the same panic stations if it was France who did that? Arguably, yes, because of the way in which they played. But the media just love it. They're just like, oh, loads of changes, you know. I understand your point, but then the media have been saying for a long time, and I've been part of that, saying England have got plan A, no plan B. What's your plan B? Where are you evolving to? What's your attack look like? How do we go from being, and you think back a couple of years, go back to Eddie Jones playing Scotland four years ago. We put 62 points on him at, at Twickenham. I don't remember that. Well, no, I know. I'm not, I'm not bringing that up just because you've won the Calcutta Cup. I could have picked other teams as well. Where's all that gone in England's performances? 
like, yeah, we won games, but we've won it in a turgid way. We've won it in a a way where we're just battering teams to death. The attack is just is non-existent, non-existent around an understanding of how to manipulate a defense, how to move a defense around. You know, there was a seven on three at one point, and we've just kicked it. And you're like, hold on a minute, these boys are just programmed to play a certain way. There's no free thinking in there at all. And that comes from having a coach like Eddie Jones. Eddie Jones has been super successful. But with all the success, with all the pats on the back you get, equally, when you've had a performance like that, which in a massive competitive fixture is probably England's worst performance. I mean, I played better than that when I played. And I was shit for international rugby, I'll be honest. Right? Some of the performances we had when we were transitioning from the 3 winners to whoever's in next because Johnny was injured... We were shy, but we weren't as shy as that the weekend. And they're meant to be the second best team in the world. I'll be honest, so, I don't think, apart from that Wasps game at Allianz Park a few years ago where we got 50 pot on this, I don't think I've ever played that badly. <laughs> it's one game for England. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm going to predict. Now, I wouldn't put my mortgage on it, but I'm going to predict that England might just beat Italy at the weekend. I just, <laughs> just, <laughs> you know, it's the big one. It's the big one, but it's not the game of the weekend. Well, it wasn't a result. Or the atmosphere at Twickenham that he would have wanted with friends and family not present. But it was a special day nonetheless for England debutant Beno Urbano. He filled us in on what it was like to win his first cap on Saturday. Probably like 99% of people just said enjoy it. Don't don't worry about anything. You you deserve to be here. That that was like a big message. Like you deserve, because obviously imposter syndrome is, is quite heavy and stuff. So it's sort of like you deserve to be here going. Go and just enjoy the moment um, because you've worked hard to, to to be here. So go and just do that and get your basics right and don't try and be a superhero or anything. Just do what you do, basically, yeah. You get a ton of messages and stuff. And at the time, I sort of, I, I, I don't reply to messages before I play um, or don't really look at them um, and just try and focus on the game. And it's sort of like when I came on, it was sort of, obviously, the position that we were in, you were trying to change the the, the scoreline um, and trying to affect the game positively. So it was sort of like, I never, I didn't even think about the debut as much um, in that period. And then it was sort of yesterday on the Sunday, you sort of sat back and when you got to speak to family and your friends a bit more and replied to all those messages, it sort of sunk in a little bit, a bit more that um, it's like a, a really, really great achievement to, to be able to represent England. So it was more the day after than the actual day that I probably felt it, yeah. On game day, I'm actually probably a lot more relaxed on game day than I am during the week. Um, in the week, I feel like quite a bit of pressure to like get things right. And then on the weekend, it's sort of like it's a game, like go and just play, right? Like I, I put on a tracksuit, um, I come and talk to you guys, I, I box in the morning and the food's made for me. I just feel like lucky, like, do you know what I mean? That, And when I sit around and like, when I go back home and I see how hard my parents have to work and stuff and like my friends have to work just to like make ends meet and then I get to do this for a living so I just just never take it for granted and just enjoy it as much as possible every message I got was sort of like this is a long time coming this is a long old road this has been a long journey like literally every single message that people sent to me so it was sort of like it was like sort of like a cathartic release in a sense do you know what I mean it was sort of like oh this is like finally done and now we can push forward and, and, and get better and stuff. So <laughs> it's obviously been a really, really long time 
it's weird. So like when I explain to like my friends and stuff outside of rugby or like people that I talk to, and I explain to them like people generally come in on their first or second cap camp and like get involved or like might play and stuff. Like and when so like I have to explain to them that like it was like three years ago that I was in my first camp and then and then obviously everything that happened between that um to get to this point is just it's just pretty um pretty special and it makes you yeah, happy. Manscaped are supporting us again this week and I've got a new cologne out called Refine Cologne, which you said you loved last week, didn't you, Jim? I sprayed it on myself and I was like, holy shooshbags, I smell good. So I sprayed it Did all over Did you wear an extra cliff? No, I had the spice bomb for that. Mate, special occasion, you don't want to, it could be controversial because if he asks what it is and I say, Clive, you know, this is, it's Manscaped, um, you listen to the pod live. Yeah, the lawnmower 3.0. You start opening a bag of worms then, don't you? And Johnny asks what it is. And next thing, I'm giving away my devices, my Manscaped devices, which might be a bit weird because, one, I need them. And I don't know whether you can use the same one. Obviously, COVID and all that. So COVID, now you can't. No, no I guarantee... No. I guarantee Johnny and Sir Cliff have got big old bushes. They don't know. Oh, they're old school. Well, we've got a review of the refined cologne for you. It goes something like this A clean and fresh scent designed for the refined gentleman. Opening with a light citrus burst, it dances around with gentle touch of sambric and jasmine before settling into the anchoring notes of vetiver and light woods. Refined is the essence of manscaped, bottled. It's exactly what you were trying to say last week, wasn't it, Jim? That's what it was, and basically, don't eat it. Okay, it's yeah. It sounds like you can, it sounds like you can eat it or drink it. Don't, don't. But it smells good. I, I liked it anyway. It was edgy. That's me. As I was saying, we do have a range of products to get you feeling smart, trimmed, and looking and feeling your best. So join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. Get your hands on the refined cologne or the perfect package 3.0, and you can get 20% off and free shipping with the code RugbyPod at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code RugbyPod at Manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Sunday's game, Wales Island. Were you guys impressed with Wales, or was it just the red card for Peter O'Mahony? Well, Jim, again, you and I were wrong. Mainly you, because you've been bagging Wales for a long time, but you said you can't see it. I, I just can't see it. Wales are this, Wales are that. Alan Wynne-Jones passed it. How good was Alan Wynne-Jones? One. Two, you need to eat some humble pie, Jim, because the Welsh, they won. Happy. Thanks to Peter Armani's red card, basically. Of course. I'm happy to admit it. Weren't overly impressed with Ireland, I'll be honest. I was impressed with Wales's physicality especially Alan Wynne-Jones. That is the best I've seen him play in the loose in a long time. He looked thin. He looked like smaller than he did before. And he had a black eye and he had a few stitches from Jake Ball before he heads back to Australia. Which Jake is... Ballberg absolutely slipping him, didn't he? Well, he did. Didn't get picked in the 23. He's having it. Yeah, he is. Yeah, it seemed that way. I don't think he was up there. Uh, Wales, very physical. And could you imagine what they could have been like if they had a line out? There's all this stuff. Of you, I don't know if you've seen it on social media. I saw a few things flag yeah. up about the hooker, Ken Owens. It drives me mad that people think if a line-out doesn't function, it's down to the hooker. The poor hooker. Like, you're the lowest paid in rugby <laughs> anyway, according to the poll that we saw come out, right? You're generally not the best looking in the team when you're a hooker. <laughs> without stereotyping, you're generally the smallest as well. And you ain't got a boot deal. And all you're doing is throwing the ball into the line-out and 
hoping for the best. Like that's what generally what happens. <laughs> like you're hoping to everything else. So I'm going to start on that because their lineup was awful and it always has been. So it's not down to John Humphreys, who was the Scotland forwards coach. It's not down to him. Alan Wynne Jones is calling the line outs. He's the captain. He's oh, captain. mate, why being horrible? I'm why not, being horrible I'm, again? No, Jim? I think we need to just get just pat out him there. on the back. Just he give was, him one week. Was, pat on the back. Most cap player. He's an absolute legend. But you can't go into a Six Nations game without a line out. It's crazy. And then Ken True. Owens can't get the blame for it. So Ireland, I'm going to be a bit of a nausea, are giving you the front. Mercy, take the front. Take the front of the line out. Poor Ken Owens. He's he's there. The call's been made. And it's like, right, throw to me, throw to me. Whoever it is, Tipperick, one of the best line-out forwards in the game. Throw to me. Mate, you got James Ryan stood next year. I, I, what am I meant to do? Close your eyes, Ken Owens. Get your canterbury boots on. Hope that they're not looking to sponsor you again. And literally lob the ball in. Because I, it, it comes down to the calling. That's what I'm trying to say. Where was a routine you can see it a mile off that don't put any work into the into the line out. New Zealand, the All Blacks were the same for years. I remember when we played against the All Blacks and Richie McCaw was calling the line outs. I was like, <laughs> if you're that arrogant to think that you're calling the line outs, we're going to beat you by 20 points here. We lost by 40, but the line out was great. <laughs> but the All Blacks didn't put any work on it. They'd go into the line out and they'd just literally throw it and hope that we wouldn't get up or whoever wouldn't get up. They put a load of work into it, realised that the driving line out was important. You play in the Six Nations, the weather's miserable. It's about retaining possession and uh, sustaining field position. Ireland got hammered at the line out against England last year. Saw it, same thing. They were throwing to where England was strong. Now, without being a nause, well, you need to sort your line out out. Simple. Throw to where it's on. One nausey bit of information. I might be wrong. And if any of you forwards coaches who are coaching the Six Nations, Paul O'Connell, if you listen to this, I'm happy to you call, for you to call me out on this. If you throw to the front of the line out, Steve Borthwick timed it. If you throw to the front of the line out, down to the scrum half and into the centre's hands, it is the same time than if you, the ball's in the air, the same time as if you throw to the tail of the line out, down to the scrum half into 12 hands. It's, it, yeah. it's the same time. Obviously, the line speed's slightly different as you come up. Exactly. You can he launch as an attacking-minded 10 now, not just a kicker. If my second row said to me, listen, I'm giving you off the top at two all day long from a full line out, I'd say, mate, fucking pack your bag and fuck off. I'll have someone else calling the line out. Scotland because- did. Scotland did. Scotland threw to the front, pass it down to the middle and hit Cam Redpath up in the centre. Yeah, yeah. Once or, you know, you can't do that for your whole game. So you need other plans. So you're right. They need to work on their line out. But you can't just say, oh, I'll just take it at the front every line out and play off that because that's shite. You need to change your numbers. You need to play for five man. Of course. Three man, you six need to, man. You need to have confidence. You can't go. But we're talking about line outs that are six, seven meters out from the... Op- I'm not talking about specifically this game because I've only seen the line outs on a superficial Thing. I've not looked at them on bird's eye. I've not gone on the stats and had a look at them properly. But I'm sticking up for Ken Owens here and saying that Wales are lucky to win that game with how bad their line-out was. Well, I look at the game. I actually really enjoyed the game. And you said you were disappointed with Ireland. I thought they barred up and played really well down to 14 men, showed passion. It was a quality game, I thought. Even though it wasn't a massive score and wasn't loads of tries, it was intense. You know, there were the physicality, I mean... Scotland this week playing Wales. Wales have got about 14 injuries because of how physical the game was. So it's big advantage to Scotland if Finn hasn't got a big headache because he had three beers after the the, uh, the Calcutta Cup win. Six-day turnaround? Yeah, six-day turnaround for Mental. Wales. So yeah. Mental. Crazy, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was really impressed with Wales. They, you know, 
Maybe the thing that Lydiate goes off early affects their line out as well. That looked nasty as well, eh? Yeah, I think that's ACL, mate. I think that's him. I hate to say it. Yeah, but I'm not a doctor either, but it didn't look great. The way, the way I've seen ACLs go, and I'll never forget Harry Ellis's when we're playing at Leicester, and you see him go down the kind of pop of the knee. The way he was, I, I felt desperately sorry for him. He tried to play on. Imagine trying to play on with an ACL. Well, you know that that is your last chance alone for him, doesn't he? He knows how bad it is. The poor bloke. I felt for him because, yeah. And, you know, actually going back when Lydia was playing and I was watching the way that Wales were playing, I, I, I was actually like, like, this is the right decision. Like, because it is, it you, was. You, you revert into type now in terms of how physical you want to be as a team. So many talking points, though. Start off with the Omani red card, clear as day. <laughs> I'm, I was with Wayne Barnes, and this is maybe the old school in me, the, the, the shit gym, the old gym, where I was, I was like, play on. And then I saw it, and I even put a tweet out about it. I thought Francis was in a weird position. He was. He kind of got dragged yeah. out of the breakdown and up. I think it was by Sexton. But then... Oh my, Peter O'Mahony. What, what, oh my, Mahoney. What is that? Well, his name's Omani, but yeah. One of the most experienced players on the pitch. And you've done that. That, that, that he's, got with, previous, he's got previous doing it though, hasn't he? With the quality of bat rows that Ireland have got, that could be his last game. I, I know that that's a nah. big, that's a big state. I don't know. There are no-nos now. There's like, no, 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 no. He's going to get a long man for that. Six, Six weeks. Ban, isn't it, probably. Yeah. And Wayne Barnes' initial words were, it's a clear out, there's nothing wrong, it was totally unavoidable. That's what he said from his angle that he saw. So then the game stops, Tom Foley, the TMO, gets a chance to check it and and sees it and goes, mate, that's not great, we've got to look at this. So they buzzes in, they look at it, and it's a clear red card. But Barnes, probably in his defence, hasn't seen it from the angle that Tom Foley sees it at. So perfect use of the TMO. You then see Johnny Williams' high tackle. And I found out there's obviously uproar if you're Irish, you're like, how's that not been looked at? And the parameters around how you can look at something, if the TMO doesn't see it straight away, once the game has restarted, so play goes on, the first replay of Johnny Williams's high tackle that came on the TV was on 23 minutes. The tackle happened about 19 minutes and 50 seconds. So... There's four minutes there where the game has actually restarted in between before the replay comes up on the big screen. Then all of us at home are like, geez, man, that's a bad shot. How's that not been looked at? But you cannot, as a TMO or a referee, check for foul play if the game has restarted. Obviously, Thomas Francis gets belted in the head by Omani and Francis hasn't even gone for a HIA. Straight away, if you've been banged in the head like that and it's with force and there's been a red card for someone, automatically that player should go for a HIA to check he's okay. Minimum requirement for me. Because Francis, I've got no doubt about it, put his hand up, wanted it to be looked at, knew it was foul play. Then he's gone down for treatment. How is he not gone for an HIA? The second thing, Johnny Williams makes the high shot, plays on for about three minutes, makes three other low tackles and then goes off for a HIA after people have seen the replay and the doctors come on and gone, mate, you've got to come off. Fails his HIA, doesn't come back and he won't be playing this week because it's only a six-day turnaround and automatically with a six-day turnaround, you can't play the following week. So loads of things, you know, I think the rules need looking at in terms of how far you can go back and check for foul play because if it's just another restart, the TMO Tom Foley, I think he'd gone for a poo. It was definitely a yellow card or a red card and had it been seen by the TMO had it not the game not restarted it would have been between a yellow and a red card all relevant to the degree of danger that they thought Johnny Williams went into the tackle with 
There's a lot of talk after the game about Johnny Sexton and whether he'll play this weekend. What are your thoughts? I liked his hair. I liked his hair. <laughs> he, it, did you notice what he did with it? it? Shaved it, went short. Because he's gone grey over lockdown. He's gone very grey over lockdown. Has he, he got kids? Up. Yeah, he's got he's got at least two. Yeah. Uh, I remember seeing him in the pool when, you remember we had that dad bod off in the pool in Portugal? What do you mean, do you mean a dad bod off? It's not even, he's a professional athlete, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> True. Um, but yeah, he, he's he's gone for the uh, the old number three all over. Who do, who does a number three? If you're going to do it, you've got to go number one. You've got to go. Oh, you've got to fade it in. That's what I've done. Looks like I've got mange. Mange. <laughs> uh, yeah, Johnny Sexton. Yeah, he went down a couple of times again, didn't he? <laughs> There's no doubt about it. I, it's, I'm stumbling, I'm stuttering. I'm, I thought he played well. He's, he's a good player. Yeah. He's a great player. He ain't getting dropped well, unless he's not fit. The, the big question is, and they were talking about it on comms, poor Billy Burns. Not even poor Billy Burns. Has he hit that with his heel or not? Oh, mate, it was, uh, I feel for him, as a kicker, every kicker that's played any decent standard of rugby, you've done that at some point. And Johnny Sexton did it 10 minutes before that. So, and fair play to Johnny Sexton, he said it on his I've never done afterwards. it. But you ain't a kicker, mate. Oh, true, okay. I'm trying to think, do you reckon Johnny Wilkinson's ever done it? He's probably the only one that I could think, nah, he wouldn't have done it. I'll ring him tonight and we can we can dissect it. We're talking, yeah. We might get onto Buddhism and stuff like that as well, which I'm happy to do as well. Yeah, the open get the open cloth out. But yeah, I felt like you just want the ground to swallow you up. Poor Billy Burns. But Gareth Davis bought him about 30 points, I think, after the game to thank him for missing touch. So yeah, I mean, it, there's no need to give him pelters around it, um, which I'm sure a lot of people did on social media. I saw... Um, John Cooney put something out saying unless you've walked in the shoes of a man or whatever that's been in that situation which I thought was brilliant I tweeted hashtag bring back Cooney um, didn't think Conor Murray played that well I, I, I'm not just getting on the John Cooney train I cannot believe he is not in that squad yeah uh, you see what we've done there we've we've digressed away from Johnny Sexton to bring it back to Cooney, get Cooney in the squad. Put him in at ten. <laughs> I don't reckon that's the answer. But but, but 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 what what having Cooney in the squad does it gives you that kicking option at goal, which you know is hugely important. Then if you bring in a Harry Byrne, there's talk of him playing lengths to the younger brother to Ross or a Ross, or you can go with a Billy. You've got someone like Cooney who can take the pressure off one of these young tens coming in like Jameson Gibson Park I thought he was slower than a week in the jail at the base <laughs> genuinely and yeah. I've got I've got no knowledge around speed of Rook but I'm looking at I'm like why is Cooney not in I don't I don't get out especially when you talk about that kicking option goal kicking option um, 100% believe that Cooney should be in the squad and there's a big decision to make now because it could be the making or breaking of Billy Burns if you're Andy Farrell and there's the big clamour. I saw Brian O'Driscoll tweeted, Harry Burns on speed dial. Does Andy Farrell drop Billy Burns? I don't think he should. Surely he can't drop him. So if Andy Farrell is dropping Billy Burns for that, what do you think he's saying to Owen when he speaks to him on the phone? Oh, I don't want to fucking get better every day, kid. You know, fucking improve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Italy needed a bit more luck after the weekend. Do we need to cut them some slack or is plenty of chat around promotion and relegation? After shipping 50, what are your thoughts? Pretty inexperienced team, most inexperienced Six Nations history. Well, I saw a stat come out that Alan Wynne-Jones has got more caps than the whole of the Italian team. Hell of a stat, that. Um, are you going to be horrible to Alan Wynne-Jones or Italy? 
probably just Italy now because I'm just going to piggyback nay what Sam Warburton said enough's enough I reckon it's mate you're going full on get rid of them you look at how competitive the other games are you look at that game so we know that England are playing Italy this weekend and there ain't a chance in hell that Italy are winning no chance now is that how we want to see the Six Nations going forward I'm not saying that Romania or Georgia are going to do much better I love Italy I love the place love the people they are in parts getting better their skill set is just nowhere near where it needs to be how good was Antoine Dupont he's the best player in the world I'm going to say right now no one's coming even close to his performances week in, week out, at international level or club level at the minute in the world. And how how many nines have you ever said about that before? Whoever says that the no. scrum half is the best player on the pitch? Like you're, you're a scrum half, no disrespect. But normally you don't do standout things because you're the link between the forwards and the back. You're passing, you're kicking. Your highlight reel is normally inside tra- trailing runs and scoring tries, which is obviously great. But it's very rare now in this modern game where you're talking about nines and being like, this guy is phenomenal. The only other player that comes close to him at the minute, but he's not doing it on the international stage, is obviously Semi Randrandra, but he's out for about 10 weeks now with his knees absolutely fat. Is he? I didn't didn't know he was that bad. Well, it's great to have the Six Nations back and it's just as good to have the Guinness Pint Predictor on Match Pint back as well. Do you guys know how you got on on the weekend? I don't matter. Yeah, garbage. But at least we got the, uh, the result right for... Italy against France. Well, Steve GM did better than most people. He got 65 points, so congratulations to him for winning the round. And if you want to get involved, it's the same format as usual. Just download the Matchpoint app from all good app stores, predict the scores, beat your mates, and win great rugby prizes, including signed shirts, ultimate home viewing bundles, and loads of great Guinness stash. Each week is a new round with prizes to be won, and you can join the UK's biggest private league with the code RUGBYPOD as well. Well, let's get your predictions for round two then, lads. England v Italy. England by 40. Well, I was going to say that. England by 44. Okay, I'll go 43. (laughs) Scotland (laughs) v Wales. I think I should go first here. You go first. Because I am going to back my friends in blue. My Scottish friends north of the border. You haven't got got many friends up there. You haven't got many friends. Scotland Scotland by eight. eight. Mate, yeah, Finn Russell, we had a bit of message banter over the weekend. So Scotland by eight. I'm going to say it's going to be tough. Scotland by nine, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was closer. Ireland and France. It has to be France, eh? Yeah, I think so. the only thing in the back of my mind, Jim, and it's because of you Scottish folk again, what happened when everyone expected France to go up to Edinburgh last year in the Six Nations and win? They didn't, did they? So that's the only nagging thing in my head, but I'm going to say France. France by six. Oh, I'm going to go France by nine. I like the number nine at the minute. Oh, DuPont. It's DuPont. Yeah, See yeah. what we've done there? It's not the magicians yeah, where they yeah. put that thing in your head. Well, should we have a quick look at the premiership? Oh, go on then. Sale, big win for them away at Bristol. Unreal. Yeah, no Friday night semi for me or semi Randrandra for Bristol. Mm. They lost Stephen Lewatour before the game as well to injury. Um, but Sale, mate, Alex Anderson's been there three weeks. Hard as fuck already, all those boys. Yeah. But also, AJ McGinty, again, two bits of skill. 
to win them the game. It's always a tight game. And people talk, you know, I, I dropped in that Owen Farrell might be signing for sale last week. And people came back to us and said, why was the silence after that, Jim? Because <laughs> that's how Jim wanted to leave it. But AJ McGinty, I was joking, by the way, about Owen Farrell. Or was I? Uh, AJ McGinty, again, the flat ball at the line under pressure to uh, put them over in the corner to win the game. Phenomenal. Good. Do you reckon uh, we should judge Quinns on whether they could back it up week after week? And they did it again this week, at least, didn't they? They did, and I think everyone has said that. It's not just me. Jim has said that as well. Many people inside their own club have said that. I read a really good interview by Adam Jones at the weekend um, talking about the Razzmatazz, but also trying to find some hard-nosed ruggers as well when they need it. But they played well at Bath, and all I'm going to say is, what about the inspirational video? Have you seen this? The inspirational video that Bath put out around Stuart Hooper giving out the jerseys to the debutants before the game. No, I didn't. No, please elaborate. Spine tingling is the complete opposite word of what you'd think about. Um, Stuart Hooper addressing the troops. I said it the other week. I've heard he's lost the changing room. Um, well, tell us more about the shirts. Well, look, give me an example. So if you're Hoops and then I'm a Bath young lad getting a jersey. Well, it's like, it's like lads uh, want to um, hand out... Um, the debut jerseys um, again. Just spread and, it out. Uh, Just spread it out, coach. I'm the player. I'm the player. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. spread it out. And uh, obviously, the most capped player uh, today is um, uh, Samisa. Who? Rocket Aguni. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, didn't, yeah. I didn't know that, coach. Didn't know that was his nickname. Uh, anyway, Samisa comes, walks forward. Just, give him, give, a, a just a, give him a shirt, mate. Boys give him a bit of a clap. He's like, yep, that's right, lads. Give him a clap. Give him a clap. <laughs> Anyway, he's like, uh, I like to start off, and he can't even think of what he's saying. Pulls up the shirt, like turns it round to check the name. I like to start off with, and I, I I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say Dave. His name was Dave. I like to start off with Dave. There you go. No, mate. First game at Bath. You know, you've worked exceptionally hard. Come through the academy. You're an absolute legend. Here's a pay rise. Like, give give, give some detail. He just went. There you go. Yeah, bit of a clap, and then and someone they po- else. And they post this on social. Yeah, it makes awful. Have a look at it. Honestly, it's awful. Um, so yeah, but then you can see there's not a great feeling around the squad. Um, their performances uh, are abject at best, and it's basically who's going down in from the Premiership because ring fencing isn't with us completely yet. It's one of three teams from the West Country. It's either Bath, Worcester, or Gloucester at the minute, and Bath are. A, They've got too much quality, I think, but they're in a bit of a quandary because they're playing pretty badly. But tip the slipper to Quinns again. It wasn't a classic, but Sam and Joe Simmons showed Eddie Jones what they can do again and glimpses, didn't they, as Exeter won up in Newcastle? Yeah, horrible game in the snow up at Newcastle. About Apparently it was about minus 60 degrees. I wouldn't have flinched. I wouldn't have felt it either because I had so much fat around the body that I don't feel the cold. <laughs> but you might have lost a leg because you've got <laughs> yeah. frostbite. Yeah, true, true. Um, Sam Simmons... Picks off the base, shows how quick and powerful he can be, scores a try. I mean, Sam Simmons has now got nine tries in eight Premiership games. Eddie Jones, maybe pick him some. Right, well, let's finish things off. No, 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 no. What about Wasps? What's happened there? Do you know what? I'll I'll tell you. So last week... What, the Andy Goose week was full? Oh, no, it weren't. No, it wasn't full, mate. COVID, COVID. Empty, empty. So last week against Quinns, we sat back, watched them play. And you'll know about this, Jim. We sat back, watched them play, got overran took 49 points, not 50, oh, uh, oh. 49. Then what do you do all week, probably? You probably work on your physicality, your line speed, getting off the line, being physically dominant, just all get, those words. 
Uh, and they're playing, you know, the game's on a bit of a knife edge in the first half against Northampton. Decent game, to be fair. Kieran Brooks flies into a ruck. Um, no arms in the ruck, gets yellow carded, rightly so. Uh, but that's, you know, he's trying to show some physicality, some aggression, gets his time wrong at a ruck, yellow card, 100%. Off he goes to the bin. Both teams have had a load of pressure, nearly scoring tries. Five minutes later, not even five minutes later, maybe two minutes later, Saints have got the ball around the halfway line. They play out the back. Ball player, who's a forward at the front of the line, plays it out the back. Literally two seconds later, James Gaskell flies in, shoulder square into the back. Uh, late tackle. It's not even a late tackle. It's like last week, late. Um, gets a yellow card, rightly so. Next minute, Northampton Saints drive us about 40 yards for a try. Driving line out. We concede about, I think we conceded three tries when we had two boys in the sim bin. 22 nil down, I think it was. Pretty much game over. But they fought back and played some decent ruggers. And I think it was 22-17 in the end. I've seen James Gaskell walking his dog around Leamington and it looked like he was walking a mouse. Now that's how I'm judging <laughs> the man. Who has got a dog that looks like a mouse? That says it yeah. all for me. Lister bounced back and had a good win against Worcester. And London Irish uh, had a win over Gloucester, didn't they? Gutted. Why are you gutted? Well, Gloucester lost again. But you signed a contract with London Irish as well, mate. So you nearly played but there. That doesn't, but that doesn't make me London Irish, <laughs> doesn't it? I just, yeah, uh, I don't know. Gloucester, is, does it matter this year, really? Well, uh, it might do if, look, there's, well, if there's no ring, well, ring, there's gonna, ring fencing. There's going to be ring fencing. Hey, here's one for you before we get into that. What about the Trailblazers beating Saracens again? We'll come to that okay, in a minute. Okay, it's going to be the good, the bad. We'll it's going to, to be bad and ugly because it's Saracens. Well, no, we'll, we will come to that, but what I'm going to say is you gave him a bit of stick a few weeks ago. Coleman. Coleman for Irish. You look at that squad now, that's a top four, top six squad, that. Who, who's given him a stick, though? I have not given the Irish stick. You got hoed into, sorry, you hoed into Coleman, Adam Coleman. He best be good. He's on fucking 900 grand or whatever, whatever, whatever. I'll show you commitment. Well, there you go. I've at, give, I've, I, you're welcome then. I've put pressure <laughs> on him, mate. Mate, 45 seconds into the game, from the kickoff, he gets a charge down of the box kick. And from, what? I've charged loads of balls down. Right. He gets a charge down from the box kick from Willie Hines. The ball is bouncing back towards Gloucester's try line. He's winning the race. His hamstring goes as he's going for the charge down. And he starts hopping. Keeps going. Doesn't get go down. Hops. Wins the ball back. And carries on for 80 minutes like I would have done. <laughs> Recycles the ball back. And then uh, uh, London Irish score early on. But, mate, proper Did he carry on? If, Did he carry on? If, mate, his hamstring's absolutely fucked, mate. But commitment. If that's me or you, you ain't you ain't worried about the ball, mate. You're just hitting the deck. <laughs> worried about strapping <laughs> it up to get out in the screaming. night. Screaming. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, mate, Irish were, you know, they're, they're, they're going to... Win a fair few games this year, I reckon, with that squad. Yeah, and then we'll finish on Leicester beating Worcester, who have been their bogey, bogey monster, have been their bogey team in recent years. So what did you tweet about Leicester? They're getting rid of their players. I couldn't see anything. I know that they're getting rid of um, Jiggy or Jigena, the Argentinian. Jigenja's gone. Jigenja. Well, he was mates with Lavanini, and he was his translator at the club, apparently. Who else has gone? Blake Enever's gone. Who? Now, to some people... That may not seem like a big deal, right? But what I'm going to say is, Steve Borthwick, when he came in, was like, signed Blake Enever. I want him. I want him. He's got here, and now he's just fucked him off. Well, well what's he done? So, uh, I know. Is he had his willy hanging out of his mask or something? <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, apparently, Steve Borthwick is walking around uh, 
Leicester Tigers training ground with an axe and he's just wielding it left, right and centre. He's trying to shape his squad. He signed some boys that he doesn't think are up to scratch. Uh, he chose to sign Blake Enever on his uh, opinion and, and what he wants from a player. He's got him there and he's now got rid of him. So uh, it's a harsh world. But, you know, like anything, we've said it before, if you're the director of rugby, you need to be able to call the shots yourself. Steve Borthwick is certainly calling the shots, whether you agree or disagree, harshly treating players or not. He's the boss, and then you can only judge him on his results, which they got a win at the weekend. So, um, fair play. Talking of willies hanging out of masks, did you see my tweet that I put out? It was somewhere in South America or somewhere. So, some woman's oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, about to go into a shop. Some woman's about to go into the shop. The woman's not letting her in, or the man of the shop's not letting her in. So she goes mad. She whips her knickers out and bangs them straight on her face <laughs> to walk in to go and buy to go and buy a loaf of bread. Oh my goodness, mate! Like- well, probably not good. I'll be, I mean, I don't want to stereotype it. It's probably a hot country. It looked like a hot country. I don't know. But hey, fit for purpose Can- is all I'm saying. Do you reckon men can do that? Do you reckon you can? I tell you now, I couldn't. Face? I could not. If they were clean and I just got my draw, yeah. If I did, I don't know what I'd, I don't know what I'd catch if I put my over my face after walking to the shop. <laughs> right, then let's finish off with the good, the bad, and the ugly, which is brought to you by the good people at Suns, who are helping countless of men out there with one of the key health issues that they don't often talk about: how to keep their hair. They're a men's health brand that offer a range of licensed and medically proven products for preventing and treating hair loss, as well as free online consultations with GPs, and they deliver via a monthly or three-monthly subscription direct to your door. It's reasonably priced with no hidden charges, and most importantly, they get results in 9 out of 10 men. So just visit sons.co.uk and use the code RUGBYPOD20 to get 20 quid off your first order. That's S-O-N-S uk and the code is rugbypod20. We'll start with a good Jim and one very close to your heart. Who takes 50 by the Ealing Trailblazers? The Ealing Trailblazers, you are going to get a mention in the good this week, putting 50 points on Saracens. Well, it's 39, but we'll call it 50 anyway. Absolutely hosing them. How can you round 39 up to 50? Right, it's just it's near enough. Just round it, it down to thirty-five. Round it up to fifty. Fifty points. Uh, so fair, fair play to the Trailblazers. They've done them twice. And interestingly, the Championship Rugby fixtures got announced today with the playoff structure as well. So that will become a more interesting watch as the season develops, especially if there is no ring fencing, as some people don't want to see it. A lot of people do want to see it, especially. Gloucester fans, Worcester fans and Bath fans because one of them could be going Dune if there's no ring fencing. But tip the slipper to the Ealing Trailblazers. Uh, what else was good? Well, we mentioned him earlier. DuPont, ridiculously good. Set up four tries, scored one himself. Best player in the world by far in France's demolition of Italy. Um, we'll stay on the France theme and we'll have to give him a mention. Montpellier, uh, Montpellier Jim. Did they win now? Finally got a victory. 31-6 over Stade Francais after nine straight losses. So so they get a mention in the good this week after being in the bad for quite some time. Fair play. Um, what else was good? Let's go to the Premiership and big Alex Sanderson and Sale. It was a real gritty northern performance with a few Saffers thrown in there as well. Uh, and a great win down at Bristol on Friday night. We said it earlier, AJ McGinty, two quality bits of skill, crossfield kick and then a seed right at the line to win it for him. So uh, hell of an effort from everyone involved with Sale to win down there. They're looking good for the season. Uh, staying in the Premiership, Jim. 
and going to Exeter, but actually up in Newcastle. Sam Simmons, mentioned him earlier, scored his ninth try in eight games in the Premiership. Eddie, just give him a call, mate. Just get him in the squad as soon as possible. It might not be this week because you're restricted to making changes, but give him a call. If you haven't got his number, I've got it on speed dial, so I can forward it on to you. Um, sort yourself out, Eddie. Get Sam Simmons in the squad. He needs to be in there 100%. Um, what else is good? Just say it. Just, just, just go straight to it. That's what the nah, masses what, are waiting. Nah, build up to all it. Right, build up to all it. right. One for Jim, Alan Wynne Jones, and Wales, basically. I agree. I agree. Apart from the line out, I agree. <laughs> just proving Jim Hamilton and quite a few other people wrong. It must be really good for Wayne Pivak to uh, have a few pats on the back this week. They were physical. Uh, Alan Jones led from the front with physicality, with ball carrying, um, some quality bits of play. Lewis Rees Summit, try in the corner, decent finish to win it. Um, so well done to everyone in Wales. There's been a lot of pressure on you. They're probably glad that fans haven't been around the game because they'd have jumped on their backs, but they got the victory over Ireland and fully deserved. Um, we'll go one more good. It isn't the good, but it's going to get a mention. Luca Sperandinho. Sparandinho. Sparandinho. Uh, a wonderful try. Uh, individual bit of brilliance for him. A uh, little chip over the top. Some good hands down the line. Then a little chip over the top. Regals himself. Six Nations try of the weekend for me, that was. And an Italian to score it. Well done to Luca Sparandinho. And then the good. Well, why are you huffing? I can't give it to Wasps. Why are you huffing? Why are you huffing, though? I can't give it to any of my old teams. But I will happily... Give it to one of Jim's old teams. Jim, you bought Scottish rugby on its knees, down to its <laughs> knees, for many years as a player. Now you've turned into a pundit. You're a top-range, top-of-the-range pundit. Um, your influence over that Scottish team with your punditry was phenomenal. Scotland, a first win at Twickenham since 1983, dominant in every facet of the game. The game plan they outcoached. Eddie Jones, they outthought the England team, they outmuscled the England team, they outfought for absolutely everything. Scotland, you were amazing. I stand here, doff my cap to you. Myself and Jim Hamilton didn't think you could win. I you knew I win. knew they'd win. You didn't just win Scotland, you absolutely dominated England in everything but scoreboard. We'll give Finn Russell's drop goal charge down at the end a, a bit of a miss because that imagine if that had turned around to a try for England at the other end and you'd have lost. But Scotland, unbelievable performance. You deserve every plaudit you get and you get the good this week. And off the back of that, I'm sure a few people next year when you come up to Scotland, Andrew, and we do a couple of live shows, will buy you a tenant or 15 and put you in a hole. Let's hopefully that's what happens. (laughs) Imagine doing a live show again now in Scotland. How good would that be? And I'd I'd wear a Scotland shirt for it just because you beat us. No, I wouldn't get that far. Um, But fair play to Scotland. The bad. Um, Let's go into the bad then and start off with Jake Ball bad bag. Jake Ball, you do not punch Alan Jones in the face. You just do not do that. Do not give the captain a black eye and fill him in. Maybe maybe that should go in the good because that got the reaction and that's why Wales won. Arguably. Jake Ballbag, ball eye, ball whatever you say, please don't punch Alan Jones again. You just don't do that to an absolute legend. Do you, Jim? I'll, I'll agree with you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> uh, that's pretty bad. Uh, what else about Dan Lydia's injury? Feel really sorry for him. Um, he's worked incredibly hard to get back into some tip-top form and playing exceptionally well. And unfortunately, it looks like an ACL. Don't want to write him off completely, but it's going to be exceptionally hard to get back to those levels again after so many injuries. Um, Really sad to see that happen. Um, what else was bad? I've got to get one of my old teams in somewhere, haven't I, Jim? Wasps. 
Saracens. I played at Saracens for 18 months. They're going in the bad this week. They lost to the Ealing Trailblazers. 50 points to 26. No one it. saw it. No one saw it, yeah. though. <laughs> I'm telling the millions now. It was actually 39-26, but they lost again. Uh, so we'll stick them in the bad. But the bad, I mean, cut to the chase. I don't need to say anything else is bad this week. Wasps. Except for one person, one team, and just one entity. Oh, like and that is, that is Eddie Jones. Oh, is it? Okay, and that's fine. I'll let England you Rugby. We're getting the bad this week, especially Eddie Jones. He said he didn't prepare the team as well as he could, and they were lacklustre. Our discipline was shocking. 15 penalties, mainly Maratoji. Uh, it's the most England have ever given away in a match since 2011. Plan A didn't work. Plan B doesn't get coached. There is no plan B. Eddie Jones, England rugby, you're getting the bad this week. I might text him and ask him why Ollie Lawrence didn't get the ball. <laughs> mate, do you not see the game, mate? The position, mate. We had 25% position, mate. Oh, you not God. see the game. Imagine the mate, reply. Selection, selection's easy, mate, after the game, isn't it? Like, in hindsight, pull the team together and let's do Italy by at least 10 points, please. Um, the ugly. Uh, a few bits of ugly. We'll start off in France. Uh, Colomier had two red cards and a yellow card inside the first 20 minutes of their game against Biritz in the Pro D Dut. Uh, one of them was for a tackle. And I've watched the tackle. Do you remember Francis Saili? No, he probably knows me though. Yeah, he, honestly, he was. I played against him once. Do you think he saw he me on the TV at the weekend? Probably, yeah. I think millions did, mate. And you look great. That, you had the coat hanger still in the back of your shirt. I know him then. If, I know jacket. him. I know him. Yeah, he was. He's a hard carrier. He got dumped on his head like you wouldn't believe um, in the game. So that was a red card. Then there was another one as well. Uh, got ugly, and it was French, so that gets a mention. Yeah, a special mention as well. Doesn't win the ugly, but it was pretty ugly. Matt Fagerson. Uh, the second. The second. Yeah, learn how to spit will be sick because he's gone for it. It's come out of his mouth. It's landed. It hasn't even come out of his mouth. It's just dribbled down his chin and on his onto his chest. On his, he's basically spat on a Scotland jersey, and no one does that, Jim. Do they? No, they don't. No, but Ali Price did tweet and said it's a five grand fine if they the spit hits the floor. I don't know what the protocols are, but <laughs> who knows? There we go. So yeah, um, not a, not a great look, um, and he, the panic on his face as well. The panic on his face when he's looking at the big screen and realising he's probably got dribble coming down everywhere. And he's trying to wipe it. It was pretty funny, to be fair. What else is ugly? Johnny Williams tackle on Gary Ringrose. Um, not happy with that one. Just get low, mate. Johnny Williams, unfortunately, uh, he'll miss this weekend's game due to the concussion protocol as he got knocked out as well. And then the fact that he played on isn't a great look for the game either because he made a couple of tackles after that. Uh, but the ugly this week can only go to one guy and that is Peter O'Mahony. Or as Jim calls him, Peter O'Mahony. Uh, he's the first Irishman to be sent off in the championship for 44 years uh, since 1977. So uh, it wasn't a great look. Wayne Barnes called it the chicken wing. He's flown into Thomas Francis's head and it was a deserved red card. So that gets the ugly this week. Thanks, Goody. And Jim, you've got a shout out to finish off with, don't you? I have. Andrew, it's a former teammate of ours. Uh, actually, my old flatmate, James Buckland, a.k.a. Cabbage. He set up an academy in his hometown of Aylesbury. Um, it's called Next Phase Academy, Independent Sports Academy in Aylesbury, rugby club in Buckinghamshire. That's not far from me. There you go. You can get down there, go and help out. Maybe not now because you can't, China. Anyway, but it's got access to various other sports and local facilities and it's combining further education with rugby, tennis, golf for boys and girls aged 16 to 19. 
There's also an option of accommodation. I'd love to be there right now, I'll be honest, uh, for the students traveling in from outside the area. So if you're abroad, you can go as well. Maybe not now, but when things get back to normal, you can get there. Anyway, visit www.nextphaseacademy.com and you'll find out a lot more. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. Leave us a review and check us out on YouTube as well. It's home. It's bloody home. It's a rugby pod. Pod, pod, pod. Well, you probably heard a few weeks ago, I've launched a brand new podcast and we've had some awesome guests on so far. The feedback has been unreal. So far, we've had a Top Gun pilot from the RAF, a crocodile hunter, some former SAS soldiers, the UK's number one fitness expert, the bodyguard for celebrities like Tom Cruise, Brad Pitt, Angelina Jolie and Clint Eastwood, a government advisor on the future, which is gnarly, and a UFO expert from the UK's Ministry of Defence. Plus, I've just recorded one with the Stig from Top Gear, where he gives me all the secrets on how he kept his identity hidden for so long. You don't want to miss that one. So go and check it out. It's called The Andy Rowe Show, and you can find it wherever you get your podcasts.